clear for takeoff once again welcome to jet fuel the jets discord podcast as always i am your party host joe rivera and along with me as always is my astute educational incredibly handsome co-host he is responsible for all the grass you can find at Life stadium given today's date he is none other than matt slard aka king sliz sliz say hello my friend Man, we're we're riding a different type of high this week. I got my <laughs> my twin girls home from the hospital that had been there for a while. Uh came came pretty early and they're doing well now, but that means uh no more sleep for me for a couple of weeks. So uh we're making it work, man. <laughs> making it work. You know what else you're making it work with, Sliz? We're making it work with the third man in our broadcast booth today. Yes, sir. Uh, joining us again for another podcast episode, Small Chimp Chim. How you doing, friend? Yo, happy to be on. Yeah, it's going to be fun episodes. Today, we're just going to a little look back. Uh, things have been busy, obviously, for Sliz and myself. Um, lots going on this this offseason for Sliz personally. Lots going on for the Jets. Well, I can't say lots going on for the Jets. Uh, generally quiet free agency, still waiting for Aaron Rodgers. But uh, uh, we, could, we could start here with the runway rundown, guys. And a couple ring chasers turned down the Jets. Now, they got a, a few different reasons for doing so, but... Odell Beckham Jr., who was on the proverbial one-yard line, decided to sign with the Baltimore Ravens for a pretty big-money deal. And Calais Campbell decided to spur the Jets for the Atlanta Falcons of all teams, which is pretty interesting. So, uh, Sliz, what do you make of, obviously, two very different situations here, but what do you make of of both guys turning the Jets down? Yeah, And this is one of those classic, and and I know Chimp and I go back and forth about this all the time, like a singular thing, like any one singular thing with us, it's like, oh, it's not a big deal. You wave it off. And and especially these, like you're you're not going to cry too much, especially at the dollar figures, but it's like just the broader picture of not being able to steal anyone away from their team. When you're looking at Fletcher Cox, when you're looking at, I think it's Brendel, the the center from San Francisco, when you're that like even though we're we're offering more money than those guys have and then initially took with their teams right ended up taking with their teams we offered more they took less to stay where they're at right and of course those are two good teams hard to blame them but then on the flip side now it's like okay we're maybe offering a little less of like with odell i know team like twitter and jets fans are like oh man we you know that that contract's outrageous it's like we we probably weren't too far off if we got to the one yard line, right? If it Correct. like we were in the ballpark ish, um, and and it's just tough, right? Where it's it's guys at positions where we feel like we need a body, um, D tackle. I think probably more so than wide receiver, although uh, assuming something happens with Corey, we need a body there. Um, it just it feels bad in, in general that it's like, man, we got Aaron Rodgers sexting Calais Campbell. Yo, let's go win a championship. And he's like, nah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go down to Atlanta and chill with Desmond Ritter. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and timid and timid author. Yeah, I know that. And I know there's a lot of off the field stuff um, like positive off the field stuff that Calais wants to do down there. But I don't. it feels bad, like just in a general sense where like, if you contrast this to the last time the jets were in the playoffs, those Rex years. Right. And we were getting a Ladanian Tomlinson. We're getting a Jason Taylor on ring chaser type contracts where they're not taking a ton, a ton of money, but they're coming here because they want to go win a ring. And it's like, we haven't gotten any of that. Right. And you have guys, you have Indomitian Sue flat out saying, no, I don't, I don't think they are 
a Super Bowl contender. And of course, again, you take every single one of those with a grain of salt. But when you start building the broader picture, it's like clearly the player's perception of the Jets doesn't quite jive with maybe the Jets fans perspective of what the Jets are with Aaron Rodgers. I think the the Odell thing is interesting because. Number one, that's a lot of money to give Odell was it 15 million base salary guaranteed or whatever it was with eight up to 18 million. That's a lot of money. So I can totally understand Odell jumping at that contract and saying, you know, like, I don't, I don't blame, I, I don't necessarily blame the jets for that, especially because everybody from the mouthpieces for the organization to uh, NFL insider, like Schefter's of the world, Rappaport's of the world, we're all saying they felt like the deal was going to get done. Right. They all felt like, Odell was going to be a jet. It was pretty much a, a foregone conclusion. He was going to get to the building and he would be, he'd be a jet, like take the physical and he'd be a jet. So I don't know, but the, the Campbell thing though, that's weird. And to your points list, Fletcher Cox too. And Fletcher Cox, I, I understand because he's with a team who just went to the Super Bowl, right? He's with a team that, okay, well, if, if Hertz can keep ascending, continue ascending, then maybe they're back there again. So maybe he doesn't want to leave for unfamiliar waters with an unknown to play with. So I, I get that, but Cox was another guy who's like, he was, he was floated out there, but I don't think Jets fans really understand that all things being equal. Yeah. He would rather play somewhere else than play here. Right. So uh, with a new defensive coordinator, because Jonathan Gannon is gone with all of these unknowns on the defensive side of the ball, you know, it's like, very interesting. Very, very, uh, very confusing situation. Chimp, what do you what do you make of of everything that's happened with specifically with the ring chasers? He he was heartbroken about Odell. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I mean the thing with like Odell and Campbell and Cox, plus so Cox, is that the dollar figures on these guys are all kind of like, eh, like I'm kind of good missing out on it. But it's right. one of those things where when you're trying to like ring chase you. You, you'd kind of rather it be a situation where it's like, ah, that's kind of like a high dollar amount, but like whatever, we're pushing all in. We're getting to the point where it's kind of like, everyone's been saying, oh, the offseason isn't over yet. There's still guys to sign. And it's kind of like, that's kind of over at this point. Right. There's still the draft, obviously, but we're running out of free agents to really uh, pursue in any meaningful way. It's It's... Yeah, I think that last point is is particularly salient that this was we knew that this wasn't going to be a big big name free agent market at least for the the players that the Jets were targeting the holes that they need to need to fill but hey, we brought back Ogbog, right? So that's another another season of Jet Fuel where we get to say Ogbog, right? So that that's great. Um the the one move that's still all of a sudden it it feels a lot more I guess real than it did not too long ago. The Quinn and Williams contract extension is still not done. And we're at a point now that like, okay, I'm not, I'm not concerned yet because the voluntary workouts are coming up and that's fine or they're underway and like, okay, it's voluntary, right? Everybody freaks out. But from the way that both sides were talking months ago to the way that they're talking now, it feels a lot further than maybe it felt initially. And that to me is a little concerning. So what do you think about what's going on with the, with the Quinnen deal? Yeah. So I, th- I think there's a bunch of layers. A, there is no rush in my mind from Quinnen's camp to 
ink this deal before they have to, right? There, there's no rush right now. Him skipping workouts isn't a big deal at all. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey Simmons contract was a big domino. Uh, I think that, that gives you the floor. I think if you're Quinn and you're his agent who his agent just got Jalen hurts the absolute bag. Right. right. Um, I think you're looking at, they're looking at the Aaron Donald end of the spectrum. Right. And, and Quinnen's not Aaron Dar- Donald. Sorry to, nope. t- sorry to tell you Jets fans. He's not right, but nope. he's, he's, he's good. And if you can, if you can guarantee that you're getting Quinnen of last year, for three, four years, health-wise especially, then you know paying him whatever isn't a big deal. If you're getting Quinn in of year two and three where he's missing a couple games, playing a couple games banged up and something, and and this is where it, it's tough, right, where our defense, the way that we rotate, we're, we're artificially suppressing a snap count versus like a Jeffrey Cinnamon, so I think led all D tackles and snaps last year, right? So it's kind of that fine line where – you're, you're paying them all this money, but you're still having to pay a good tier two guy to rotate with them as well. Right. Um, so I, I think with all of that, I think, I think it'll get done. I don't, I don't think there's any reason for it not to get done on either side. Um, I think it's going to be probably 25 million ish. Um, and I, I think really, so of that D tackle class, there are really five big names and only one, the one is signed in, in Jeffrey Simmons. There's still Dexter Lawrence. There's still technically Ed Oliver. And then there's Christian Wilkins as well. Um, and, and I don't expect Dexter Lawrence or Christian Wilkins to get in that ballpark of dollars. But again, more data pay, points to the sample can only really help Quinnen's cause, right? If those guys come in at 20 million APY, it's like, hey, these guys aren't getting the the sack production I'm getting. They're not penetrating like I am. Um, you know, I, I get Jeffrey Simmons is out there, but I'm way better than these other two dudes, right? And then if they're low, like let's say they get 16, they can just throw out the data point and go back to Jeffrey Simmons as the data the the floor. So and, and let I, me I tell you, I don't think there's a rush. Right, on, the, the on big campsite. The big difference is though, Ed Oliver is out here closing games against the best teams in the league. So. Um, you know, Quinn and Quinn and can't lay claim to that, but chimp, what do you, what do you make of the Quinn situation? Where do you think the dollar figure ends up? I mean, the biggest thing is that we paid his brother. So I think we can get him at a real discount. No, <laughs> not really. Um, I mean, the it better be is- 6 million, 6 million a year less than what we were going to pay him because that's <laughs> what we're paying Quincy. <laughs> I mean, the thing with Quinn is that realistically, I think, the pressure on their end to get a high dollar amount comes to the fact that this really is our all in push as weak as it's been from a free agent side. We can't really afford to uh, have him decide, Oh, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to start sitting out like the entire preseason and it kind of bleeds into the regular season. Um, I mean, if Rogers is here, he's or Quinn's kind of like one third of the defense, if not probably half of it, but like with sauce, um, he can kind of say, "Hey, twenty-five, or I'm not even like at the table." Um, he's the kind of guy where I mean, you kind of wish you could play like the long game. You have him play his fifth-year option. If it's still kind of shaky, play on the tag, and if that gives you an answer in either direction, you can go from there. I don't think we can play it that loose. I think at a certain point, he's just gonna say, "Hey, I'm out." 
he was already complaining about the whole Jets don't play or pay their own players thing. Obviously, we understand why the Jets haven't paid most of their uh, first rounders, but right. at the same time, if he ends up being a casualty of that, it's like, holy cow, we really don't pay these guys. Right. Yeah, I think that's the thing to remember. Like, a lot of people point to, yeah, the Jets never pay their guys, but like, the Jets also haven't had a guy worth paying for a long time. Right. And like, you can point to the quarterbacks, you can point to any of the first round picks. I mean, the Calvin Priors of the world, the Darren Lees of the world, like, this is who they were drafting the first round for a long time. And like, Quinnen is the first guy you feel comfortable saying, okay, we'll give you the big money contract. Like, a lot of these other guys are busts and, and not worth, you know, like, so. We'll see. We'll see how it ends up, but I don't know. There's just something about the situation that's not sitting right with me right now. Maybe that's just hyper doomer. I don't know. Couldn't tell you, but one guy who did get paid and we touched on this, one of the last podcasts we did, Alan Lazard gets his four year, $44 million deal. Uh, not, I don't think it's as the, the deal itself, the money isn't as bad as people were making it seem. There was a thought that, okay, well, he's the Corey replacement, but Corey hasn't gone anywhere to this point, right? So uh, that's a big, big part of this this whole wide receiver conundrum. But says, what do you what do you make of the Lazard deal uh, in a nutshell? And where do you think the Jets go from here with their wide receiver room? Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. I think, and so Jim and I were looking through the numbers maybe two weeks ago about like personnel package usage and and how we'd implement a lot of it was kind of with the dialogue around like even if we sign odell how are we really using him right like we have garrett and we have lazard who you assume lazard's going to eat a lot of your probably slot snaps as almost kind of like a, a tight end hybrid type crackback blocker um I, it'll be interesting right we have, we have personnel to run 12 and 21 pretty heavily if we want to like like we did at the beginning of last year and and green bay ran that a lot the year um tanyan was, was healthy i believe that was three years ago so his first mvp year um they ran that a lot and that was really before lazard even truly got into the fold he was still a young guy and, and finding his footing so it, it's wide receivers is weird because it feels especially i, I think if we keep Corey the the room feels all right where you're, you're probably trotting out Garrett out wide Lazard and Corey on the other side with Lazard in the slot and then you're you're rotating in Hardman as a vertical threat or, or gadget guy um but if you lose Corey it's like the room feels like you need another body but like I don't I guess I'm not on the same page necessarily that we need another premium body I don't think a that there's really one to be had I know there's this whole movement on Twitter about getting uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, which I, I'm not a part of that movement. And and really it, it, it centers on this, right? Are you playing Alan Lazard outside outside wide receiver then where, and, and Jim pulled up the reception perception numbers. Uh, Lazard was absolute garbage on the majority of his routes last year. Um, that was as a kind of wide receiver one ish, um, so you hope being more of the second or third pecking option helps him and drawing better matchups, but I don't think he's a dude you want taking an 80% snap share outside. Um, it, it just becomes kind of this weird shell game where it, it just feels like su- super inefficient based on the offense. We're going to try to wa- run. Right. Uh, chimp, what do you make of the, of the Lazard Lazard signing? 
Yeah. Um, if you told me six months ago he got fifteen or sixteen million a year, I would have said, yeah, probably that's where the wide receiver market's going. It kind of t- took a major left turn this offseason where everyone was getting super small dollar amounts. Um, that's what makes it kind of like culpable right at the start. Like Sliz said, the biggest thing with him is none of the route running looks good. Like whether it's looking at the routes he ran and how successful he was, or looking at like the coverage, like versus man versus zone versus press, all the numbers are really bad. I mean, you kind of hope that you can put him in a wide receiver three type situation where he's taking on the easiest coverage you can get. Um, I think if you're able to have two guys in front of him, like Davis and Wilson, it's not so bad. Um, especially if you can kind of mix in Hardman there. I don't love the move. Um, the fact that that's been our uh, ring chaser per se is kind of depressing, but I mean, what can you do? It, like Sliz <laughs> said, JSN in the draft doesn't feel great. I don't really think drafting anyone like super early feels great just because of the needs. Um, but I mean, let's roll with that. I mean, you guys will hate this. I did a combined mock draft for the sporting news today and I took JSN with that 13 pick. So there's that. Yeah, there's that. Listen, man. I mean, I just want to say before we move on, I want to say, so the three tackles are off the board before 13, right? So Broderick Jones is is very possible by the way, right? right. Tackles always rise. Always rise. Always. All three Broderick Jones is gone. Uh, Skaronsky was gone and Paris Johnson were all off the board before 13. So I said to myself, well, in, in a situation where, okay, you can't trade down from this point, I have to take a guy. I took JSN because he's probably, he's the best receiver in this draft. Number one, I, I guess his ceiling is depending on how you feel about him. A lot of people think he's going to level out as a slot receiver, but I mean, if, if I'm forced in that spot to make a pick and the jets have been hot after receivers, the last two, excuse me, the last two off seasons, I mean, they wanted Beckham. They signed Lazard. They're not satisfied with the group, apparently. They traded away Elijah Moore. So, I mean, why not, I guess? I mean, I get it. Like, if if no one else is on the – if, like, if tackle's out on the board at that spot, you're not taking a defensive player in that spot, assuming that Will Anderson is off the board and whoever else is off the board at that spot. Obviously, Anderson will be gone. He's a top-five pick. But, uh, you know, these guys aren't going to be on the board at that spot, so – I don't really know what else you do, you know, unless you want to take a day three guy, a, day, a late day two guy, like, oh, well, you know, no third round pick. So there's that. But if you want to take a day three guy like I don't I don't know. It's well, well so it's, it's weird. And and we'll probably touch on some draft stuff next week before we, we get to the draft. But like wide receiver, like I'm not convinced Corey is gone. Right. And and certainly you'd love to see something happen with that contract. And really everything feels like we're just waiting on the Aaron Rodgers domino to start moving some dollars and whatnot. Right. But um, just based on reports, it, it doesn't feel like Corey's a, a guaranteed to be in that, that deal. And especially now that we missed out on Odell, it doesn't feel like that's something we should force either. Right. Um, especially if, if this truly does drag into day two, We'll, we'll know what happened at 13 can kind of make a decision there. Right. Um, yeah. If we do move Corey, I think my preference is still just, you know, grab someone round four ish, grab a guy that can return punts to, and mm-hmm. hopefully be that, that Jeff Smith plus role <laughs> or that Barry S plus role, a guy with a little more upside. Um, 
I'm chilling on the wide receiver room right now, though. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. see where it comes. We'll see a week from now, or I guess a week and a half from now, what it looks like. But right. I, I'm I'm fine with it. Uh, so Quincy Williams resigned. I mean, we're not crazy about. It. I understand that. I'm I'm fine with it. Like I, I don't think Quincy's as bad as people make him seem. I don't think he's as great as people make him seem. He's just there. You know, three years, eighteen million, nine guaranteed. I'm not sweating that. You know, like I'm not going crazy over it. I'm not. It's it's fine. Like it's fine. I'm not. And give this guy seventy two million dollars. They didn't give him fifty million dollars. They gave him eighteen million dollars over three years. Whatever. Like it's fine. Um, we talked about that in the last podcast episode. Greg the leg back. Thomas Morstead back. Great. Farewell, Braden Man. Out. He was claimed by the Steelers. So, uh, best best wishes out there with the silver, uh, the black and black and gold. Uh, good luck. <laughs> um, yeah. Glad that that's over. I guess you hope Morstead still has got something in his leg. But what do you make of the rest of the of the rest of the free agency, champ? What do you any misses you think the Jets had? Any? I mean, obviously we talked about the ring chasers, but anyone else you think the Jets maybe should have gone after, or anybody else that they still have to address? I mean, the biggest issue with our free agency is we kind of got blindsided as far as uh, interior defensive line goes. Uh, everyone went way above what we we would have like felt like comfortable pursuing. I guess that was one of the situations where maybe internally we just didn't have the number right. As far as what these guys were going to get, you would have loved to like keep rankings, maybe not the same dollar amount, but at this point you kind of, it feels better to play along with the inflated market than be completely like out in the dark there. Um, I mean, outside of that, I guess pursuing safety would have been nice. I know that uh, that there was a safety from uh, Philly drawing a blanket, Cha- uh, Chauncey. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he would have been nice. I mean, you would have liked to see some sort of action at safety outside of just Clark. I think um, linebacker. I wish we kind of played the market a little more. Um, outside of that, I mean. This kind of, we kind of like blew our entire load last off season, and uh, we're kind of rolling with uh, what we set ourselves with. Yeah, I mean, CJGJ going for how much? How much is that contract? It was one year and like eight million dollars? No, not even one year, six and a half million dollars. Uh, why not? <laughs> I mean, why not? Why was that not? And and listen, Chuck Clark, nice player, played a lot last year. Uh, a guy that maybe they should have, the Jets should have attacked last last off season. He did on a, end up playing a lot because Kyle Hamilton didn't play as much as I guess we thought he would in, in his in his rookie year. But he's really a strong safety type. I mean, yes, he can play both spots, but he's really a strong safety, right? And I saw an Instagram reel with Ashton Davis still on this team, so there's that. But free safety still a problem with this team, and I don't know how they're planning to address it. I mean. One of those second round picks are gone, assuming that they trade for Rodgers, right? And one of those second round picks, I mean, it's either if they don't sign Ben Jones, and we'll talk about the holes in a second, but if they don't sign Ben Jones, then that second round pick is going to go for a center, right? You, you figure one of them will. So I don't know, man. Like, I just don't, I, I, it's the one area of this defense, especially knowing Salah's defensive background and how important safeties are to like everywhere he's ever been it just doesn't make sense that it hasn't been a bigger priority in these two seasons to this point, but, 
and it's not exactly a safety rich draft either. So I, I, I just don't, I don't understand. I don't get, I don't get it. It's fine. Expecting what bothers me is you're, you're expecting that sauce Gardner and DJ Reed will have the same type of season that they had this past season, which it could happen, right? It, it could happen. I'm not saying can't, but I think you're see, you'll see more of a regression to the mean a little bit, especially if they don't get safety help. So I don't know. That's, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I think it's it, we're in a tough spot, right? We're on defense. We've really you have a, a one move that we as a team or as a stat coaching staff probably see as a plus of getting Chuck Clark, right? Which I agree with. Uh, that's a, a good addition. Clark over Joiner, even if he's playing kind of out of position, is an upgrade, right? And and certainly gives you more flexibility. But we've gotten worse at tackle to de tackle two and three we're kind of running back the same linebacker core that we didn't like to begin with um like you said there's probably going to be some regression at um uh, at corner just just because because the season we had last year was so, so they were good, too good right? man they were just and, too good last year and so edge edge you you assume there's some positive but there's a, a log jam there too right assuming we're keeping Lawson and um there's just a lot of guys right so like jermaine johnson taking some massive leap doesn't really change the dynamic much because it's like okay was he that much better than carl was last year I, maybe maybe not right but that's not helping the run defense up the middle that's not helping your coverage at the second level over the middle um there there's things to address right we brought in quentin jefferson which is kind of i'll say like a discount sheldon rankins um, but really it doesn't inspire you much in run defense. And I know that there's, there's a narrative going around looking at the roster that, Oh, let's just push JFM inside. Like we went, we went through this exercise last year. I was parroting that last year and turns out he's a good edge. JFM himself on Twitter basically said, yeah, <laughs> they put me at edge and there, there's a reason why. And I'm good there. Right. So I, I don't see that being our solution. I, I really don't see the rotation change being that that big of a solution. I think we're going to kind of roll with what we did. So you're looking at like a thousand ish snaps um, that are going to Solomon Thomas and a big question mark right now, whether that's right. rookie, whether it's some of these kind of jag uh, depth guys that we've picked up like an Isaiah Mack or uh, uh, Tanzel Smart. Uh, so like there's a lot of snaps to go around there and that's assuming no injury to to Quinnen. Like if Quinnen yep. goes down that, even if he misses a couple games, that room is, is deathly thin and beyond Quinnen, none of those guys can really effectively play the run. So, um, so what you're saying is Kalaja can't see at 13. No, I'm, I'm not, I'm, uh, let, I'm let not, I'm let not a can't see guy. Let me, personally. let me tell you something. I, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of mock drafts, obviously right this time of year. I've never seen a bigger variance on where they might think a guy can go or should go. I've seen him go in the teens. I've seen him go in the mid second round and there's like really no in between. And I don't get it. Like, Oh, well he went to Pittsburgh. So I guess he's, he's Aaron Donald reborn. Like it just, that, that seems to be the main, like it's like helmet scouting. It's weird. Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a big cancy guy, but it is what it is. It is what it is. What do you think uh, about arm length, Jim? 
Yeah, that's the uh, biggest thing. Short arms goes to Pittsburgh. <laughs> so come on. That's uh, listen. Short arms is why the Jets didn't draft Ingram. So there's that. Uh, all those years ago, scared scared of his short arms, but whatever. Um, all right, so so let's move on. So center we've discussed is a pretty big hole right now. No no bodies in the building. I mean, what what do they do? We mentioned Ben Jones. Draft is certainly a possibility second round, depending on on if they kick, keep one of those picks. But again, of like the of the interior guys, the Tipman, the 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 guy from Minnesota, his name John Michael Schmitz. Schmitz is that his name? Yep. Um, I, I feel like those guys will be long gone before they pick at forty two or forty three. So what 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 now? Like what what's the solution? Is it Ben Jones? You throw more money at the offensive line to try and fix it? I don't. I don't get it. So what do you think they, they do at center? Yeah, so, so, and I, I want to talk a little broader than center center. I'm actually maybe a little less worried about I'm more. I, I think we'll get a guy. It's more just how hard is the rookie learning curve? I think we definitely have a rookie at center. Um, how well does that jive with Aaron Rodgers? Um, you know, there, there was some, uh, mumblings. It wasn't so great when they had a rookie, what, two years ago there mm-hmm. in, in green Bay rookie center. So that that's really going to be the the curve there. I think beyond those top two, you have a Luke Whipler. You have a um, oh the Arkansas kid whose name's escaping me right now. But th- there's a couple options more down the board. It'll be interesting to see how we navigate. Um, do we look to trade up? You know, JD's been very much a move up and get my guy, and you feel like if you're going to have that mindset this year is of all years would would make sense to have that mindset where you're kind of in the short window win now with a gaping hole need at a couple right. spots right so I, I i'm not too worried about center and um i know it, generally it feels like we've been kind of pessimistic about the offseason but there there's still some moves that can happen right and and right where we're at right now everything's kind of frozen right we were talking in discord this week around how um the Monday after the draft is when the comp pick calculator shuts off. Right. So as we sit today, we are, we are slated to get a couple comp picks. Right. And so any signing would, would either offset one of those or award it to another team. It's there's not much motivation for teams and not just the justice teams in general to, to make transactions right now you know, see how the draft plays out. And, and from the player's perspective too, and we saw this last year with Dwayne Brown and you see it with vets every single year, holding out might actually end up benefiting them as there are injuries or a team misses on a dude in the draft. And there's that hole. And now, Oh man, I got to get desperate overpay. Um, there are options at, at D tackle. There are options even at tackle. I know we brought in Ogbog, which I think's a good kind of OT five signing. Um, he did okay last year. <laughs> He's a body you can, you can throw in there and, and, um, hope that Rogers helps mitigate it. But, um, yeah, there's Cam Fleming at tackle. There's Ionitis still at, um, at D tackle. And, and there's some, some more kind of more third, fourth tier guys at D tackle too. So I, I think there's still things that can play out. It's really just and and it feels like this top 10 in general in the draft is as as unknown as it's been in, in a long while. Right. Like the quarter, everyone's 
oh, all the quarterbacks are going to go top four to, oh man, quarterback, you know, CJ Stroud might not even go top 10, right? He's got all these flags. <laughs> so it's kind of all over. And even beyond that, it's like, okay, you have the Jalen Carter question. You have teams like Chicago, teams like Detroit that can go a million different directions. So and, it, it's I really mean, just kind of sitting and waiting and seeing how some of that unfolds. And, it, you know, if we get a detail, if we get an offensive tackle, I think that helps a lot. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that pick goes. And then I think it dominoes down through the rest of the off season. And, and you hope that the value kind of lines up with what we need at various spots. Uh, this is not a live podcast, but the Rangers just scored. It is now one, one in game two of the opening round of the NHL playoffs. So there's that. Um, yeah, the, to your point, to your point, it's it's early yet, right? I mean, it, it is early for these. We still, I, I think, for me, I just want to go into an off season, and this is all I've wanted for a while is to just go into one off season where we don't have a million holes to plug and only so many resources to plug them. And and the added detriment, I guess, this off season is that we're still waiting for Rogers, we're still waiting for this Quinn deal to get done. And we don't know exactly what draft capital we're going to be working with. And I'm sure they have all sorts of contingency plans to figure that out. So it's just a level of anxiety that I don't really want right now, to be honest. Like, I just wanted, I want one clear focus. I want to say, hey, this is what we have to address. This is how we're going to do it. And I know there are no perfect teams in the NFL, but it feels like this has been a constant during the Douglas era, to, to be honest. Like, every time you think you, something is a strength, it's not. And you go into the offseason needing to fix the strength, the offensive line, right? He said to ourselves, oh, well, he invests in the offensive line. He's throwing picks at it. But here we are again, still talking about the tackle position and what they're going to do with tackle. So it's like, uh, Chimp, I know you're in the same, you're generally in the same boat. What do you think? What, what do you think is the plan of action for Douglas here moving forward? Yeah. So, I mean, a general theme of the Joe Douglas era has been a, de- a death by uh, a thousand paper cuts. Each individual move has always been justifiable. You say, all right, he traded up for ABT. That was a bit of capital, but then you look at who Miami got, or not Miami, uh, Minnesota got, and then you're like, all right, well, we got a above-average guard who can play tackle very well. So it doesn't feel so bad. You make other trade-ups. You go get uh, Jermaine Johnson. You you go get Brees Hall. All these moves, you can justify them individually. But as you look at the sum, you start saying, oh, geez, like we've done a lot of things negatively. Um, And when we look at like where the offensive line is at, especially center, you realize we really could have used a day three or a late day two pick on someone to like work their way up the depth chart and kind of be able to say, all right, yeah, Connor McGovern's gone, but we have a guy who could just step right in. And it's not so bad. Or with like uh, Lincoln Tomlinson, if we had a, if we had someone in the wings, you don't have to give out a uh, tens of millions dollar contract, tons of guarantees, uh, kind of like a, a real loaded contract for the position. Um, I mean, last year I was fine skipping tackle. I wanted some sort of playmaker. We got uh, Sauce, we got Wilson, and that was cool. The big caveat there was, all right, we need someone to – develop into the spot we need to be able to not need as many offensive line pieces this year and now we're at this year uh mitchell was all right i guess he's not really any any like mitigating factor at all and 
I mean, we're stuck using 13 on a tackle if we can get one. I mean, that's a good situation. Right. Outside of that, we probably need to spend premium on a center. We need to get someone. And that's the thing, right? It's like, it's fine to go into the offseason and and sign these depth guys on low whatever contracts, right? One year, $3 million, whatever it is for whoever, right? But maybe this is old school to me, but take a guy in the sixth round, take a guy in the fifth round and just let him be your depth guy for four years. Like if he turns into something cool, but like the fact that that hasn't been the, the, the first solid draft. So last year, the year before they, they went heavy on the athletes, right? They wanted all of the athletic players, all the lottery tickets. When there were some guys on the board who you say to yourself, all right, offensive line guys here, we could take and like, okay, you just plug them in for your depth. Like you don't have to worry about it. And it just, that wasn't the that wasn't the mode that they went. So, I don't know. Um, I, I've been I've been more positive on JD than most. I generally feel like he's good because I, I think there's a tends to be a misconception that a GM has to be perfect and a GM has to hit every draft pick and every free agency signing, and that's very rarely the case for even the best general managers in football. So, this though, I feel like this draft is the crucial critical like this is the make or break draft because like we've said we we're going all in this is the all-in year with rogers this is and we have to set it up right for post rogers because if if we fail with rogers this year if we make it to the first round and we we win a first first round playoff game and and whatever after that we fall apart after that rogers hangs it up now what right now what so uh this is a massive draft it's been a boring free agency, you know, nothing egregiously terrible, but it's just, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. And other teams. Well, I was going to say, I think the biggest thing you need, you need building blocks in this draft. And I I could, I could do a whole video essay just around JD and GM philosophy. And, you know, I think I, I'm on the more critical end, you know, alluding to some of the stuff chimp said around, Hey, how, how did we consolidate stuff? And basically not make a, a round three pick for two two and a half years, despite having like five third round picks going into each of those drafts, right? And, mm-hmm. and hitting in rounds two and three should should beef out your roster. How do we draft super athletic developmental guys and Jason Pinnock and Jonathan Marshall and then not and then roster them <laughs> and then not roster them? And allow them to get plucked up, right? Pin- and, Pinnock and then, still doesn't that the Pinnock thing makes no sense to me still. Right. And so that's where, you know, you get in this and and I don't know how much is the the ownership, you know, finger on the scales, how much is the coaching staff going with their guys, but um, really, and I think Howie Roseman is is the example right now in Philly and, and how he, you look at a, a Landon Dickerson two years ago where, Hey, you know, he has center flexibility. He plugged in right, right away at guard and is playing well there. You look at, Hey, they drafted the, um, the kid out of Nebraska backup center last year. He, he covered, you know, he's the, the Jason Kelsey heir apparent, but there's a good shot. He starts at right guard this year with Isaac Ciamala leaving in free agency too, where you see that pipeline. And a lot of that is that longevity. Right. And so it's kind of, you get on the fence, right. Where it's like, man, is Joe the guy? If he's the guy, give him 10 years and get this pressure off his back and let him use that, ten, like let him use the full 10 year plan 
to allow them to craft the roster. It's kind of, you know, get off the can, right? It's like, you got to hit this draft. And, and really it feels like he definitely saved himself last year. Um, if he had a, a baseline draft last year, it probably isn't enough juice with, especially with the way Zach Wilson busted. We're, we're probably a new GM this year. If we don't get sauce and Garrett at the top of the right. draft, right? Really? If right. those two picks don't, don't hit at like a hundred percentile outcomes in year one, we're, we're probably on a different outcome. Right. And so you, you need something. I, I I don't expect anywhere near that this year. I, I don't think anyone should, but you need probably something a little, uh, an uptick above what 2021 was, right? A little bit better yep. than that AVT draft, um, just based on circumstance and, and needing to get it moving forward. We'll talk a lot about the draft when we do our, our episode next week, as long as Sliz doesn't uh, pass out from exhaustion with the, with the twins, but a uh, draft episode coming up. So we hope to have some good content around that, but Look, you know, says so the Jets, obviously, and, and Chip, the Jets weren't the only team that played in free agency. The rest of the division did, too. And honestly, outside of the Dolphins, not a whole lot working. So what do you think of the Dolphins free agency, free agency period? Yeah, yeah. So I want, I want to let Chip dive in on a lot of this, but I kind of add a blush, right? I think. A lot of a lot of folks and and we're gonna get our, our pessimism hats off, or at least I'm gonna take mine off, right? A lot of folks have been like, oh man, we're we're looking up at Buffalo, like you know, we're, we're scrapping for second place. It's like I think with with Rogers, assuming we round out the roster like I, I hope we can, um, I, I think we're right there as potential division favorites, right? And uh, I think a lot of that speaks to just the quarterback upgrade and just what's happened across the division. Some of the question marks, right? Um, I do think Miami's better, right? And certainly highlighted by that Jalen Ramsey trade. Oh, um, I thought you were going to say highlighted by Mike White, but we well, continue. yeah, of, of course. Well, I mean, might be impactful, right? Their biggest question mark is Tua, and whether his judo training or whatever is going <laughs> to pan out and and help them help them stay conscious the, the whole season. So, like. In my mind, Miami, us and Miami are significantly improving this year. I think Buffalo is probably net neutral. A lot of it depends if they end up landing a DeAndre Hopkins, which is kind of the the potential buzz right now, right? I think they're wide receiver too. Um, if they sort that, can can have a massive dividend. And then New England, it, it feels like they're worse, but I, I don't even know. New England just feels like they're treading water and it's not good water to be in. It feels like I'll, there's a ton of questions there. I'll tell you that New England's biggest acquisition before I throw it to you, Chimp, New England's biggest acquisition was Bill O'Brien. Big this time, yeah. that and and listen, Bob gets gets his you know, he, he gets his criticism for what happened in Houston and being, you know, a worse GM than Adam Gase and all this stuff, which is fine. But he's a smart offensive mind, dude, and and he works well with Bill Belichick. And last year, you saw a major regression from Mac because he had Joe Judge and Matt Patricia in his ear, and Matt Patricia went to to the, to the Eagles of all places. Just absolutely bizarre. I guess they're just like between Sirianni and Roseman and and Patricia, they're just trying to like round up all the ultra annoying people in in Philadelphia. So there's that. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think New England. When you look at New England, it's like. Yeah, you signed Kasiki, fine, whatever. Uh, you signed Juju, fine, whatever. Like, I like Juju, but he's not going to be a difference maker, right? I think that's fair to say. 
But if O'Brien can get the most out of Mac Jones again, and I know that there were trade rumors around Mac earlier this offseason, last week, the week before, I mean, that that changes a lot, right? That changes a lot. And Mac wasn't like anything spectacular his rookie year, but there were certainly flashes of okay, he can be a he can be a top half of the league quarterback and better, right? So uh, I don't know. I'm not I'm not concerned about their free agency. I just think that Bill O'Brien is a bear, is a bigger acquisition, I guess, than than makes sense. But we'll see how it works out. Uh, Chip, what do you what do you think of of the way that the rest of the AFC has worked out? Let's start right there. Let's start with New England. What do you think of what they've done? Uh, have they gotten better? Have they gotten worse? How do you think that they've their free agency period has shook out? Man, I I really don't know what they're really going for thematically, philosophically, however you want to put it. I mean, they had that whole huge run on tight ends. Let no, that was three years ago at this point when they took in. Uh, Henry, they took Hunter, in, Henry, uh, and Johnny. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was there. It's like, all right, so they're building like a two-man core. Um, the biggest thing with them is that they they took that mentality of, all right, so when you draft a tight end, you're kind of drafting them for their next team. It, there's such like a steep learning curve where they're like, all right, we're just going to pay for your market rate for two guys, get two above average tight ends and roll. That didn't really pan out. Henry was fine, I guess. John, who was kind of a penalty machine, my friend who is a uh, Patriots fan, he was not impressed with that at all. Um, I mean, with that, you, I don't know. That's, I don't know that uh, Gasecki is a huge upgrade. He's kind of like a weird chess piece I, like weapon. It's kind of like the whole uh, Jimmy Graham thing where it was like, all right, is he a wide receiver or a tight end? Come to find out, it, it turns out to be tight end every time. <laughs> um, Usually everyone the way it goes. pays less on the cap yep. sheet. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, the swap for Jacoby and Juju. It's like I don't think it's a plus. Juju hasn't been anything special since what was it, twenty nineteen? That it was. It was the one year that he had uh, Antonio Brown. As far as like, I don't think there's really a move they can make singularly or even like over the course of like a like a short just all right hit on your first two or three picks that matters a ton i mean they need mac to pretty much pull a 180 and go back to where he was his rookie year but like a step from there i'm pretty i'm pretty down on them well the biggest thing with new england right and i I think with being the Jets, we have the, these this tinted glasses where we haven't been able to beat New England for forever with these end quarterbacks, right? It's like yep. if you're getting Aaron Rodgers on the Jets, like the the mystique kind of falls off a little bit, right? And if you if you look at that defense with a fine tooth comb, the 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 warts really show themselves, and they're they're not really quick and easy to fix either. I think they've they've had a lot of these long-term Belichickian guys retire between like a high tower between the McCordy. Um as those guys have fallen out of favor it's it, it feels like it feels like they're turning over a lot and it just feels like it, if if this isn't the year where we, we're sticking them in the basement then we got a clean house I mean it right? should have been last year and and right them signing James Robinson blow, absolutely blows my mind. I just want to put that in there. It, it, I mean, it, it should have been off the it, the it should have been last year with the Jets beating New England, right? Yeah. The best tweet the best tweet I saw was from oh man, I forget. 
This is one of the guys from uh, Hansus, Dan Hansus. This is the best tweet that I, I saw. Jets are wearing black for their, it was the first matchup versus New England, right? It, this isn't, uh, the, it's like, this isn't a rivalry game. This is a reckoning. And this is a, it's like, and he was hundred percent right. That was the moment that you said to yourself, all right, this is the game, right? This is the game. And then what happens? Yeah. You know? So like, yeah. it, was, it, has it was the game be. where has our to be. quarterback busted for good. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's, that's what it turns out to be. So it's fine. Uh, Chimp, what do you make of what Buffalo did or didn't do this offseason? I mean, the biggest thing with them is just they they haven't been the Philly of the AFC. They haven't been constantly churning depth and having all these guys kind of just step up. It's It's been just a, a case of Allen being the guy, for better or worse, whether it's some weird, like, behind-the-back uh, lateral type throw that he made in the playoffs against uh Houston that was like a huge blunder or just his his game to game kind of fluctuations. Um a lot of the things is like the offensive line they've kind of subscribed to like the whole uh the weak link f- philosophy of like all right like as long as we don't have a terrible guy in the line it works. The only issue is they've like had all these like middle of the pack guys that have like kind of like a little bit of like below average tendencies and yeah, it's just a little kind bit of, been, of variance on them <laughs> right. right and you, you roll uh ones across the board it's kind of like all right like it's not gonna be a good line i do think that wide receiver two is the biggest band-aid they can add i think that's the kind of thing that can completely flip the narrative the offensive line plays better with a uh, second target taking heat off of digs because i mean gabe davis has kind of been like king of the jags almost in the sense that he plays on such a good offense but he isn't the guy well and and i've pointed this out a lot at, what was it two three years ago now when they had they had emmanuel sanders and cole beasley and cole beasley was a pro bowler that year and i know there's i know people with, with the covid stuff and all that of oh, cole beasley and the, the whole narrative there it's like that you've seen how that offense has lacked that like money chain mover guy over the past couple of years where everything's been so big, you know, go big or go home in terms of boom or bust type play or, Hey, it, it, if it's not there, we're really riding on Josh Allen to just make something. And then you get, you get the, the Josh Allen variance, which he he's gotten a lot of that out of his game, but it's still there. And it, it feels like it shows up against us a lot, which is good. Yep. Um, But yeah, I think wide receiver two is a big impact. And the big thing is they've retained a lot of their guys, which I think is good, but they're also they're in the the Josh Allen contract window, right? Where you talk rookie contract windows. They're they're out of their rookie contract window. And this is the reality of being out of a rookie contract window. It's hard to add to your roster when you don't hit on draft picks. And their 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 recent drafts have been kind of they've invested a lot in the defensive line and gotten probably subpar return for all that investment multiple first round picks, multiple second round picks. Um, it feels like a defense that will probably continue to regress as the, the Poyers, the Milano's, the uh, Trey whites continue to get older. Um, and especially now that we've added <laughs> weapons that can exploit it. Right. It feels like a, a team, certainly they're, they're going to be preseason favorites, but that they, I don't think they're invincible. And I could see both us and Miami even overtaking them. 
remind me who was it that said before last season that I wasn't scared of the Bills, Sliss? Can you remind me who of the two Jet Fuel podcast hosts said that? Is that you? Is this guy right here? That's who it was. Not scary. Hey, we we beat him with I, Zach I Wilson, it, right? Listen, I said it last year. I I said it last year before the season started, and I know Ank made fun of me for it. But yes, the Bills are a good team, but I felt like their window was closing a lot quicker than people realized, and a lot of that was the Josh Allen contract. Gabe Davis had that the four touchdown game in the playoffs against the Chiefs. Right, it was the Chiefs, and, and like, yeah, everybody's freaking out. Oh, he's wide receiver one now. Stephon Diggs is clearly unhappy with whatever's happening in Buffalo. That's the other part of it. And um, I don't know what they do with wide receiver from this point. Like, is it DeAndre Hopkins? I don't know. Like, I don't feel like that really solves much anyway. So I don't know. The Bills are an interesting team. It feels like they can go one of two ways this season. And I feel like it's not going to be the the positive trend. So uh, we'll see. And and last but not least, Jim, what do you think of what Miami did? Because the Jalen Ramsey trade was the big deal, right? They added Braxton Berrios, old friend. They added Mike White, old friend. They added David Long. Uh, it feels it's like, like a chosen sp- Anderson, baby. Oh yeah, don't forget chosen Anderson. Yeah, it's formerly known as Robbie, formerly known as Sun God, Round, as- rounding up the Broward boys down there. Man, yeah, it, like people, I know people. It, Chip and I had paired on this all the time that like people don't want to come and play in New York. Like New York has zero luster in the modern, the modern game, modern market. It's like, look at Miami. Miami has freaking Pullman. They get all these guys that just want to go to Miami because ta- taxes are a big part. Weather's a big part. A lot of these dudes are from there. It's they're like, they, they just get a lot of dudes down there. Right. Well, the taxes. <clears throat> yeah, that helps. But Chip, what do you what do you make of, of what the Dolphins have done? I mean, we were looking at the uh, betting odds the other day. Um, I mean, you'll get New York. The whole the whole thing is betting odds aren't especially predictive. But when you look at Vegas odds, exists, Vegas exists to make money. I don't know how many times I have to say it. But when you look at our odds compared to Miami's, it's just like holy cow! Like, obviously Miami, like it's kind of like as far as the script writers per se. Um, go that wouldn't be like a super exciting team to have make it. You, you got to figure that they're probably not better than Cincy. They're probably not better than Kansas City. Probably not better than the Eagles if they made it there. But I mean, you look at this team; it's really like it's electric. Really, I mean, you look at the uh, target funnel between Waddle and Hill. They're pretty much half of the offense on their own, and they're the kind of guys where it's like the uh, like how we've always said with like uh, Will Fuller. It's like how much would you pay for a guy who has a chance to have a 200 yard game? But for both Wild and Hill, it's like, all right, that's every game is a possibility of that. I mean, when you combine two and Mike White, you know, I mean, you could probably get 15 or 16 healthy games out of the two. <laughs> um, I don't know. Unironically, though, I mean, Mike White really probably is the best backup in the conference, or not the conference, but the uh, division. I mean, you look at that. Um, Tim Boyle isn't better. Trubisky's still on the Bulls, I think. He's probably not better. I mean, he might be a little more athletic, but at the same time, I think having at least a room of two and whites like a good thing for them, unironically. Um, I mean, Barrio, he's probably just their uh, special teamer at this point, which is fine. They paid him like one. That was the biggest issue with us. We 
we paid him like a legit like starting slot slash gadget guy. Didn't love the contract there, but what can you do? I Kyle, really don't think that Kyle like- Allen. Kyle Allen is back up to Josh Allen. So there's that. Where did Trubisky sign? He signed somewhere. No idea. He was in Pittsburgh. I don't know where he's at now. He's still with the Steelers for now. So there's that. But Kyle Allen is his backup to Josh Allen. And then behind him is Matt Barkley, who still is is has a roster spot in the NFL, which is crazy. But to your point, that's not like Kyle Allen is not. I'm not. You know what? I'm not even going to go there because I'm not giving Mike White any credit on this podcast. So. Uh, so, I won't go there, but some something with Miami, right? And and I was very high on Miami going into last season, and their defense way underperformed expectation. Um, we already shouted one of the biggest additions in the division being New England getting Bill O'Brien, right? Another one that's kind of under the radar is Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio, going, yeah, going to Miami, right? And if you look at that defensive roster. That is a good defensive roster, right? That that defensive roster is right up there with ours. And I don't think people are um, adjusted to that necessarily, right? Wilkins is good. Rokon Davis, decent. They have a good edge duo with, with Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb. Bradley hey. Chubb reuniting with Fangio. Yeah, I mean, they have a... You hope- you hope a great Chubb is safety good. tandem. Yeah, for what you they paid, to- you hope. Yeah. Listen, I mean... I'm not even again. I'm not going to go there with Chubb because he's then he's going to have four sacks in Week One versus the Jets. But who is Bradley Chubb at this point? You know, like you look at his numbers and you look at his grades, and he's just unimpressive. And I know the injury took a lot out of him, but even going to Miami last year, he wasn't that great. But whatever. Yeah. Continuously, sorry. But you you look at that defense, and it it's a it's a good defense, right? And I expect them to be good with Vic Fangio with the talent, adding a Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, moving Xavier and Howard into a true CB2 role now um, where you, you saw the drop off there and kind of the steep drop off that can happen at corner sometimes. So it really comes down. What, what can they do on the offensive line and, and can to stay healthy? And um, I, even with their shaky offensive line, they like, like Chimp said, they have two dynamic playmakers and Waddle and Hill and, you know, they have a short window. They, they've kind of screwed themselves over with some draft pick stuff. So that that helps them not maybe have the longevity or, or um, additional capital to help boost themselves. But, you know, they, I think they can pretty easily add a piece or two in this draft and, and even post-draft. And tight ends a, a spot where I think they can add a body as well, um, especially with the, the Shanahan, Mike McDaniel um, system there. And I... I if you ask me today, and, and maybe this is a hot take, I, I think it's us in Miami at the top of the division. I think it's a dogfight. I, I think I think we can both overtake Buffalo. Health health allowing. If Tua gets hurt, I'm you know, I'm you know I'm not a Mike White believer. So it must uh, be 420 with a take like that. So. <laughs> hey, it must be. I I haven't gotten enough sleep, clearly. <laughs> but that's that's my prediction. I think that I think that Miami defense is gonna be really, really good. So one one last question before we close this puppy out. When you look at the draft, this is a week from tonight when we're recording. Spoiler alert, we're not live. But a week from tonight, so next April 27th, first night of the draft, which of the four teams in the AFC East have the most work to do entering the draft? The most work to do? Um, I'd say relative to where – 
relative to what their expectation for the season is, it's probably us. Um, only in that I think we have like really three pivotal roles that we have no solutions at. Um, you know, that being center, potentially tackle, depending on how you look at it, certainly D tackle. Um, I think New England by far has the most work to do, but I also don't think they're really on the same timeline as the rest of us. Um, I'd I'd say we I, I think it's us. I think we have to we have to nail our top two picks, and if we don't, I think it kind of dooms our very short window that we have. I don't think and no other team has the small window that we have to compete, and we have big holes at multiple spots, so it puts the pressure on. Jim, what do you think? Which of the four AFC's teams is the worst, most work to do entering the draft? I would say Buffalo for the sake that they need to uh, stave off the whole regression thing. They need to be able to make uh, the ESPN narrative for the for the season turn into wait a minute, why <laughs> did why were we saying that Buffalo was going to be worse? Anybody yeah, yeah. Why say, why does Sluice have him third in the division in his preseason <laughs> rankings? Right. I'm going to see you on first takes list. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm going to be like all those guys that had the Chiefs as less in the division last year. <laughs> Bart Scott. But, um, right. like, I, I think that's that's the big thing they need to worry about. Um, Like I said, I think wide receiver, too, could be, like, that kind of, like, miracle fix if they really land it. Obviously, you can't count on uh, uh, Justin Jefferson to come through. But if you can get someone where – it's like, wait a minute, this guy was insane. Which I think, just this the way that wide receiver drafts have gone, that's a possibility. It would have to kind of be out of nowhere, but I digress. Um, like Sliz said, New England's kind of, this isn't really meant to be their year, so I'm not going to act like it, it could be. And then, uh, of course, we, we can easily kind of like blow this entire window just by like not being lucky with things if if the three uh tackles and then like i mean even if jsn's gone we don't really have that kind of option to go with that that could hurt us if both the centers like the top two centers go that could kind of derail what we can do i think there's a lot of ways we can kind of just be left in the dark but um as far as the top one buffalo i'm gonna go with and what's the because I'm not sure we'll have you on next week for our uh, our kind of pre-draft extravaganza. Maybe that's over overselling it. What's the <laughs> one one thing you want to see on draft night? Um, I want to make one selection in the first round. I don't want to make two. Okay, <laughs> you don't I, you don't want to trade up to uh, 31, 32 and grab our center of choice. I I prefer just. Wait until day two if we have to trade up into the the mid thirties. That's fine, I guess. I just don't want to see a second selection. All right. I feel like a trade up is coming. Now that Chip said that, it is. <laughs> like I, I, it all. I mean, it, obviously, it's the Chiefs, right? Because no team wants to pick last in the first round. If you can trade out, you usually want to. If the Chiefs, if they're like, I've seen Will McDonald fall all the way down to thirty one. Miles Murphy's has fallen to 31. Like, and McDonald would be a fun bookend to Karloftis if Karloftis isn't a bum next year, but he's not. Yeah, we'll see. Um, if they don't have an edge rusher there, I, I think they trade out. It's and and to that end, I think the Jets make a viable trade partner with them 
to jump ahead to every jump ahead of everyone who wants to take one of the big interior guys. But I don't know, man. It has to come cheap. So, so, that's all I'm saying. It has yeah. to come super cheap. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, uh, let's. Slice, uh, you got a geek of the week this week? Because I, I didn't have a geek of the week this week. I've been in a good mood. The weather's nice. It's like nice outside. You know who the geek of the week is? How about this? I'm gonna I'm gonna give a shout out to the geek of the week here. Geek of the week is Rutgers president Jonathan Holloway. That's who the geek of the week is. So I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but Rutgers went on strike fairly recently towards the end of the semester, and President Holloway has said some. Uh, Less than nice or misleading things, we'll say, because he hasn't been out, outright rude, but he said some pretty misleading things about the Rutgers Union and obligations and all this stuff. And it was about a month ago that he essentially threatened court action to, to send the teachers back to work before the strike even happened. So we know that there was no bargaining happening there. So uh, this week's Geek of the Week, I'm sending this one out to Jonathan Holloway. So uh, Rutgers got paid. The part-time lecturers got paid. We're all back to work. We're all happy. So uh, this one's on you, Holloway. Uh, you are our honorary geek of the week this week. So you got one? Yeah, I, I got a couple. Well, we'll we'll do a uh, we'll we'll go, we'll go across around the horn on sports. The NBA for legislating this stupid in season tournament, whatever the <laughs> heck. It's just like let's make our let's make our let's water down our sport as much as possible. And make it, it makes no sense, man. And then um, all this Max Scherzer baseball um, rosin stuff. It, it, umpire, umpires have too much power, man. <laughs> um, umps have too much power. That's all I'm gonna it's the say. The ump show. It's the ump it show. Is, it is. It, That's what it, it is, man. Chip, you got a geek of the week? Yeah, I would just have to say it's the people on uh, Twitter really pushing like the whole zero nuance. Bijan Robinson should be a top 10 pick. Like, oh, get the hell out of here. You, you like, you're crazy if you don't think they should. I mean, obviously, I'm more so on the running backs don't matter thing, but I think the the whole lean into like, all right, yeah, I'm going to have him go top five, like, type people. It's like, man. No, no. I saw a lot of chatter about Chicago taking him at nine today. Insane. No. <laughs> No, but they already have a running back that they spent the uh, the trade relax, for. relax, <laughs> easy, pal, easy, easy. All right, let's bring it in for landing. This is the landing strip, so I'm gonna go first. Uh, first, I just alluded to it in the in the geek of the week. Shout out to the Rutgers unions, man. Uh, no teacher wants to go on strike, especially this time of the year. Like we we love to teach. Teaching is our passion, and and. I'd show you a pay stub to show you just how much of it is a passion. Because if you saw we were getting paid before this, uh, you would you would you would know that our hearts we do it for the love, not the money. So shout out to Rutgers unions and the Rutgers students who supported us the whole way through. It was very very awesome to see that support. Uh, Resident Evil Four the remake. So I've never played. So I don't know if you've played the Resident Evil games. Uh, so Sliz is not, but. I've played, I played five, right? That was the only one that I played. I played it through the buddy when it first came out. So like 13 years ago or something like that. And then I've been recently replaying through the remake. So I played two, three, and I just beat four. And four has always gotten all of this hype as being one of the greatest games of all time. And I never played the original four, but I'll tell you what, this game was effing incredible, man. This was a, a goddamn great game. Very, very good beginning to end. I couldn't put it down. It's like 16 chapters. It was just about 15 hours, give or take. It was it was a ton of fun. Great game. 
loved it. Loved it top to bottom. So uh, that's my landing strip strip thought for the week. So Liz, what's on your mind? Yeah, so past couple months been super busy working through the hospital and trying to get the girls home and and going from there. But thankfully had you know the the silver lining had some extra time for entertainment, um, which I no longer have. But fired <laughs> up a um, an, a western movie over the weekend. Was really feeling it and. Westerns are all right, man. Like what, maybe I'm just like full on dad mode. I mean, it was um magnificent, magnificent, magnificent seven. seven. Nice but movie was all right, but I don't know. I'm going going full on dad mode, man, and and just embracing it. And it, it was a good good mix up to the routine. Balancing, I started um Hunter X Hunter too. Um, getting getting a little representing the anime channel. Um. Yeah, just just lots of diversity. Read a ton of books past couple months. Been been good. Was it the was it the original Magnificent Seven or the 2016 remake? The uh, of course the remake. Oh okay. Oh, so you're not as cultured as I thought you were. No, for a second. No. Okay. No, hey, I, uh, I I just browsed through Amazon Prime and it said, "Hey, you might like this," and then I watched it, and then it, I like I liked it. Well, now you should watch the original Magnificent Seven. I don't have that. I don't have that kind of free time. I got. That's the thing, man. Like, the older you get, at, at least like, especially when you have kids, I have to be so picky and choosy about my my media consumption. And half the time, I end up just like sitting around not doing anything, or like arguing with someone on Discord about something totally pointless. Because it's like, ah, uh, do I really want to commit to a three hour movie right now? No. So I end up doing nothing. But no. yeah, it's it's hard, man. It's like I feel like there's five things I want to do. And it's like, all right, I got to pick one of them. And I got to carry it through. And I've been a lot better, though, about like if I start something and I'm not feeling it, it's like, all right, I'm just going to put it down. I don't need to finish it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the thing with me. I'm trying to get all my gaming in now before the uh, before baby Rivera shows up and yeah, in a couple months. So it's a lot of uh, a lot of gaming. I have a geek of the week. Oh, no. Netflix live streaming, by the way. Oh, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Oh, okay. I have another geek of the week. I just remember the the stupid uh, vending machine at Rutgers today was uh, sold out, even though it wasn't sold out. It took my money and then it didn't dispense my drink. So I was very disappointed. So Rutgers, uh, get you get your stuff together. You know, very annoying. That's uh, Jim, for, that's what you get for picketing, man. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, big middle big, big middle finger from the vending machines now. Clearly anti anti union. Uh, Chimp, where what's on your mind? What's your uh, Atlantic trip thought for the week? All right, so I just got done with my third rewatch of Valmont. That was pretty good. Um, I'm big on uh, big on ChatGPT. That thing has been insane. I've been really building a lot more lately. Prior to prior to really like sinking my teeth into that, um, gainful employment was like the worst thing to happen to my productivity. Um, I'm finally yep. kind of getting back to like, all right, I'm gonna start working on uh, off the bench. Um, so that that's super cool just to have like that tool there because I've gotten a lot better like writing prompts for it and all that. Um and now you got the power of AI, man. It'll build it for you. Just about. <laughs> Pretty sweet. Scary. Scary the AI is. <laughs> Listen, for people like me who write for a living, and you see, I and I understand these like you couldn't tell chat GPT to give you a recipe for a cheeseburger. I get it, but it's still scary to know that that's like kind of around the corner. 
I need, I need to start writing prompts like tell the story from the point of view of or in the in the penmanship of Joe Rivera of Sporting News and see if it that's, if it machine learns off all your articles. That's frightening. Frightening <laughs> see, thought. The, the best trick with it is you go to it, you say, hey, explain this in terms of a Vince Vaughn movie. Uh, myself <laughs> and Foots have had a lot of fun with that. It's surprisingly really good at it. You can tell if they just do 15 different references, it'll include all 15. That's frightening. You're going to be doing podcasts with the, with an AI before you know it's Liz. So it, choose that, your that words. That's the latest thing words. though, right? The Spotify mu- like AI music thing that like was actually good. And that, and, and that's like the one industry where there's red tape all over that legally. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, AI is taking over. AI is taking over, Joe. Right. You know, the, the Spotify uh, DJ rules, except for he keeps playing the same things now. He would, uh, Xavier is his name, of course. But um, the only thing is I listen to so much music at work that I go through like the same sequences. So he'll have like 50 different like sequences, but I'll start like recalling like, oh, it plays this song, then it plays this song, then it plays this song. And it's like, all right, well, that's kind of lame, but I think it's kind of like a me thing. It's frightening. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't wrap my head around it. It's just scary. It's scary stuff. What's not scary is the fact that you listen to the latest episode of Jet Fuel, the Jets Discord podcast. And obviously, you already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a five star review where applicable. You can find us on Twitter at Jet Fuel Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Jerevera SN. Now, without a verification badge, but I swear it's me. Sliz, where can the people find you? Sliz underscore NYJ on Twitter. And Chimp, where can the people find you on Twitter? Ah, I forgot my uh, thing. I, oh, uh, no. <laughs> Chimp underscore OTB. Nice. Well, that's all right. We can post that. Not that I ever do that, but I can just make it make it quick. Uh, let's say you can send us an email at jetfielddiscordpodcast at gmail.com. And Sliz, how can the people join the Discord? Yep. Yeah. It's go to discord.gg slash nyjets. We'll get a uh, we'll get a thread going. We we always have the the servers always popping on draft day. Live reaction and uh, lots of either uh, copium, hopium, or dooming about every single pick we make or 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 even picks we don't make. Right. So uh, yeah, come in, tune in. It'll be a good time. My finest memory is seeing the Sauce Gardener pick last year, and everyone in the Discord with the wooden Joe emoji. Just like 50 of them consecutively. Just yep. the funniest thing. Yep. That's old yeah, takes yeah. exposed Get, get right your there. wooden Joe button ready, boys. It's <laughs> going to be a long one. Yeah, Wool and Joe's going to hit just right. <laughs> but uh, for, for Sliz and for Small Chimp, I am Joe Rivera reminding you, you can't take flight without Jeff Fuel.